0: So I want you to imagine with me, uh, you are a mm, fitness guru, fitness instructor. Everybody get your flex on, ready? Let's see you. Okay, ready? Yep, there. Can I see you flex? Get it? Brooks is the fitness. Yep, we got it. All right, cool. So you are a fitness instructor. You are the guy that tells everybody else how to get in shape or the lady who tells everyone else how to get in shape. Uh, you're the one who have dialed in that there is a way to eat, to diet, to uh, exercise and see massive gains in your life. Massive gains, whether it's the bench press, whether it's the curl, whatever you want to do, uh, you gather together a group of people and they gather in a lovely three-section audience. And so you begin to communicate with utmost passion and uh, real, real, real energy because you've probably taken a pre-workout. Let's be honest, if you're a workout person, you've done that. So you're extra jittery, right? And you're communicating with passion all that you've understand about how the human body works, about how weight training works, about how diet works and you communicate this out with explicit clarity. And as you look out, you realize there's one group of people, uh, there's there's one group of people, this front row right here, nobody's in it, right? They all have their arms crossed, they're glaring at you, a little mean mugging, and you're like, I don't think they're buying what I'm saying. But as you look around the rest of the room, you see people are kind of excited. There's a general sense of excitement and enthusiasm that over the next few months or even years of life, People's physical health could be transformed. And that's exciting. And so you give this declaration, you lay out what it looks like to walk in the ways of health and fitness and say, if you do this, you will see growth in your life. And then COVID hits, right? So you don't get to see people for like nine months. But then thankfully, uh, it's lifted, maybe, just maybe, and everyone's wearing a mask, but they still gather together. And as you gather together, all these people who were excited, uh, those who were mean-mugging you, they just decided not to show up again, right? But everyone who had heard the words of good news that health and fitness were possible, that a life of gains when it came to the weight room were possible, all gather back together. I'm gonna have you turn to the people that you were just around. If people, uh, those people that were excited have done what they said they would do in health and training and consistency over nine months, what would you expect to be true about them and their general demeanor? Turn toward a few people around you. I'm only gonna give you like two minutes. Uh, What would you expect them to look like, be like, engage like if they stayed consistent with what you had invited them into? Ready, Go. All right, that was not that tricky. So go ahead and turn back around. If people were consistent uh, with doing that over the nine months, right, of COVID that were going on, what would you expect them to look like? Go ahead and throw out a few answers. What would you expect them to be like? Ripped, Ripped at least more in shape, right? You, you think you'd be looking at people still smiling at you, uh, but maybe a little bit more swole, right? Or maybe trimmed down or whatever it was uh, that their fitness goals were. You'd look out and expect to see that. But what if you looked out and, and two thirds of that crew looked exactly the same way they did before. And there was only a pocket of people that were gathered together. But those that were, were so excited, boasting massive gains, the ability uh, to be healthier, to lift more weight than they ever had. Their cardio and endurance was on point. And they're excited talking about all that. And so you gather the people back together and you're like, all right, I understand crew number one who had their arms crossed. They were angry at me. They didn't like this at all. Uh, I get that they wanted nothing to do with this. They didn't even show back up. I get that. But talk to the first crew and you say, hey, what happened? I don't think you're boasting the fitness goals that you thought you had. What what went wrong? And they say, man, I got like two days into this. And then I realized this is really hard. Like my friends started to want to go out and party and I was like, yo, 2 a.m. for a 4 a.m. workout. Like, I don't know if I can do both of them. And so when they invited me out, I just started going out. And then there was inside of me, I actually really like to sleep and I really don't like the treadmill. And so I gave up. And you're like, all right, I got you. Go to the next group. You're like, yo, what happened? And they're like, all right. So what happened was I planned and I had a plan and I had a desire and I had a dream and I knew what my fitness goals were. I even had my phone pop up with alerts in the morning and it told me when I should work out. But I realized I really, really like Oreos. I really, really, really like ice cream. And I really, really like Netflix more than I like doing bench presses. And you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. And then you go to the final group and you're like, what did this look like? And they're like, man, we just worked the program. We did exactly what you said, when you said to do it. And because of that, they boasted gains and the ability to be fit in the way that you had described. 10, 20 times what they would have ever expected. Uh, that story um, is very much like the one Jesus is going to tell us. Uh, we don't have a whole lot to do with agrarian societies right now. A lot of us aren't agricultural people who plant and harvest, but many of us have started a diet or started an exercise regimen and not stuck with it very long. And so the story Jesus is going to tell in Luke 8 is very much like that one I just told you. Uh, the point of it's pretty simple but the effects of it will forever shape our lives if we come under it. Uh, Luke's gonna invite us to understand or stand under this story. And the idea of standing under something or understanding something is literally, uh, in the language, that you yield to it. That there's, there's a bigger story, a bigger narrative, uh, something else that's true that causes us to yield what we were currently doing or how we were currently living. Uh, I drive a Ram 1500 and it's like that coming out of Prius. When we uh, meet at an intersection, that Prius almost always yields to my truck, uh, especially if they're supposed to because of traffic symbols. Like like you look at it, you're like, well, that truck is gonna do this for me, right? But then if I pull up alongside like an F-550, you know, I'll hit the brakes a little bit and let him do his thing because he's a little bit bigger. That the idea of understanding is to stand under or yield to and obey this bigger story. So think about that. It's not just mental comprehension, but actually yielding to something else, to give way from what we were doing to something else that catches us up in there. So we're gonna be in Luke 8. And uh, if you guys wanna read with me, you're welcome to. Uh, I will have the words on the screen for you as well. Um, And so you're welcome to do that. Uh, After this, so Jesus was doing other things, uh, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So he's declaring good news, uh, our series Kingdom Come, the kingdom of God is here. It's not just someday, but the reign of God is breaking into the world right now. That God is beginning the work he had always promised to do to make things right again, to bring healing and hope and restoration and reconciliation into this world, uh, not just another world. Someday out there in the future. And some of the women who had, been, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. You just throws that in there. You can be sure that's a story. Joanna, the mother of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, a woman of power, Susanna and many others. These women were helping, women were helping to support them out of their own means. And so while a large crowd was gathering around and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A parable is like an extended metaphor. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked out the plants still other seed fell on good soil and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Uh, As you hear this story, uh, maybe if you've heard it a bunch of times, you're already starting to figure these different things out. Uh, Listen to this. If you're hearing this the first time and you're thinking in an agrarian society, how do I plant and have crops come out? Your heart actually, and your mind and your curiosity actually go to the final one because you're like, Oh, this is exciting. When this farmer sowed seed, he had a massive crop come about. I was thinking about this the other day when I had bare spots in my lawn and I was mowing it. And I was like, man, I am really excited for these patches where it came through real thick and green. Like, I love that. That's that's incredible. And it looks good, right? How much more, if this was my food or my money, this is just for me to enjoy. If that was my crop, how much more would I be excited about that? So just hear this good news first. Um, The kingdom The seed is the word of the kingdom, right? Jesus announcing this. It will absolutely produce a harvest. Like the kingdom of God is unstoppable. The king is unshakable. There will absolutely be change in this world. New creation will come. Nothing can thwart that. God will do exactly what he set out to do in your home, in your life, in Mesa, around the world. Eventually all of creation being wrapped up and being made right. Like, that's his promise. And in Jesus' story, he's saying, that'll take place. But his disciples come to him in just a little bit. He ends his speech, right, saying, when he said this, he called out, whoever his ears, let him hear. Like, if you, if you get it, you get it. If you want to be tuned in and figure out what I'm saying, like, if you can understand what I'm saying, pay attention, please. And so his disciples asked him, we're going down to verse 9, what this parable meant. And he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. So, and then he quotes Isaiah, uh, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. He says, I'm saying this in this way so that everyone who, who wants to be tuned in, who wants to stand under this, who wants to learn, can get it. But everybody else who's just here shopping around, who doesn't really care about me, who doesn't have any connection to this, that doesn't want to, and they're here for something else, it's gonna go right over their head. Which seems kind of harsh, right? But that's what he says. We'll keep going. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. This isn't one of those ones that we have to wonder about. How do we translate this? Or what does this look like? He literally tells us. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Uh, Those along the path are the ones who hear, and when the devil comes and takes it away, the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. Uh, Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but they go on their way. As they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word and retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Uh, This one comes at us with a little bit of simplicity, but a lot of punch. Punch. And so I'm just gonna walk through each of these soils because Jesus says, uh, the point of this one isn't even so much about the crop at the end. Yes, that's gonna happen. Uh, It's not even, maybe your Bible says the parable of the sower. It's not so much about the sower, though Jesus is the hero of not only the gospels, but all of the Bible. And it's all pointed to him as he is the hero of it all. But this particular story is actually about us and the kind of heart that we bring to hearing the word of God. And so if you're in the sound of my voice, this is for us today as well. How do we come in and listen to the good news of Jesus? Is it with an eye roll, arms crossed, brushing it aside, not letting it to penetrate down? That would be the first soil, right? That's that came along the path. The soil, the first soil is a hard heart. And maybe it's because you're bitter or you're angry or disillusioned, whatever the reason, uh, it won't budge. It's been trodden down maybe by the hardship of life and disappointments of the past. Uh, Matthew, this is the person who, and Luke, this is the person who refuses to even try standing under the story of God, who says, this isn't for me. I want nothing to do with it. Dismisses it whenever they start to feel promptings in their heart and they hear good news that, that healing and reconciliation is possible, that, that God can make you new. And they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want that kingdom. I don't want this savior. I want a different one. And the reality is when we come in with that posture, what, what Jesus is describing is that then the enemy can just come and take those, those words of the kingdom as if they were seeds. Uh, I don't know if you guys, those that planted winter seed, when you planted winter seed, you invited new house guests, didn't you? In the form of birds by the dozens. And some of you might love that because you love birds. I despise those little creatures that are eating my seed. Uh, you can ask my kids if, and my yep, my uh, Kaylee Ann is not a big fan of this because I like she's like you're gonna you're gonna break the window one day because I like bang on the window to scare them right. And at the beginning of seed season, that works. Like I bang on the window. and there's been a few times I switched my rings to the koala ring right instead of the metal one because I thought I really broke it one time. I was like bam, and the birds took off. Now they just stare at me. They like a bang on the window and they just kind of look at me throw a wing up, what up, and then keep eating the seed. So they make me come outside. And even then, sometimes they just like kind of stare at me like you're gonna come all the way, I'm gonna make you come over here. And so I have to walk all the way over. But what those birds are doing, right, is they're eating that seed and making it so that it cannot go into the soil. It will never germinate, it will never grow. And Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, some of our hearts are like that, and that is not good. Because the word cannot penetrate down. Uh, The second type of soil is rocky soil. And this is a little bit more maybe of a a shallow heart. And in Palestine, they would have absolutely known uh, what it was to have rocky soil. The soil that they try to grow things on all throughout Israel is not known for being fertile these days. Uh, The different Muslim um, storytellers tell the story about how Allah had given two angels bags of rocks to fly over and scatter rocks throughout the whole world. And that was what he was gonna do. And so this is just the way they look at their land. And he said, while they were flying over, one of the angel's bags got a rip and all the bags that were meant for the entire world landed solely in Palestine. It's so rocky and so hard to grow. They're like, there's nothing but rocks here. It's really hard for things to grow. What Jesus is saying is this group of people, if we find ourselves there, uh, that we can receive that with joy. But very quickly, it doesn't able to get root because testing comes. The sun comes, heat comes, life situations come, and what was received with joy and excitement and uh, even enthusiasm, hands up, yes, Jesus, let's roll. As soon as life comes at you and you realize that Jesus is not just about your best life now, but you're actually going to face times that test whether or not you trust Jesus or you still trust your money, whether you trust Jesus or you wanna trust a relationship to make you whole, whether you trust Jesus or you're gonna trust a religion to fill what's lacking in your life. Those testings come from the outside, our own hearts that have been built on these other idols for so long where we look to something to give us identity, value, and meaning. It comes back. And he says that that's a group of people, it withers away. A temporary elation will not prepare us for the times when the commitment is tested and it will get tested. Uh, We will get sick, we will lose jobs, we'll find ourselves in fields of isolation and have to ask, do I still trust God and what he's doing in new creation right now? Or do I go back to trusting myself and some of the other ways I learned to walk in this world? It's going to be hard at times. Uh, Jesus absolutely knew that. And so he's preparing his followers to say, hey, there's gonna be those that want nothing to do with it. There's gonna be those that get really excited about it and then peel away just like rocks are in the soil. It can't get, it can't hold the weight of it. And when something can't hold the weight of it, if it's tested, Some of you uh, might remember in school, you have to do those like different weight tests where you build like bridges with popsicle sticks uh, and then you have to put weights on it and see like it's testing. I don't know, we did it in math class apparently, but it's a test if you can build enough glue. I mean, I just used gorilla glue, not what they told me to use and it worked a lot better um, until the teacher's like, wait, that's not breaking at all. What's going on? I remember one time we were, uh, I was in New Jersey teaching and uh, we had pews there, the old school ones that were lined up around and uh, there was, my sister was sitting in the back right-hand side with her kids and so she weighed a whopping, like, I don't know, 120 and each kid was probably like 20 pounds, so like not very much. But uh, that pew that day was gonna be tested and here's what I mean. They were all sitting on the pew, I'm, I'm sure preaching a killer sermon, right? Like in right in like the high point leading in and all we hear is crack. And the pew literally buckles in half and they all like topple in towards each other. And so one, I was so glad it was my sister and not the lady who usually sat there. But that pew, that day was tested. There was weight on it. Will it bear the weight of these human beings on it? And the answer was no. Our faith will have the same thing happen, that there will be situations that stack up And they will force us to say, do I still trust God in this moment or don't I? And there'll be times here, this fam, when we buckle because our faith is in something other than Jesus. The good news is that we can still turn to Jesus. That's not like one buckle and done. But the invitation is to have a faith that is able to produce fruit. Third soil, we'll keep rolling. This is the thorny one. And this is a divided heart. Uh, We will always, hear this, we will always make decisions in line with what we actually love. As human beings, we're primarily uh, uh, beings who desire, not beings who think. Uh, We're not sticks that walk around with a little brain on top, but we're beating hearts. And that's why God always comes after our desires and our hearts. And hear this, he gave us lots of desires that are really good. Uh, Those of you that love food, God gave you that desire. And like, that's the beauty. We get to cultivate hidden potentials of flavor, and see what he can do with that, right? Those of you that artists, like he gave us that desire for beauty, to mix colors and textures and patterns and styles to enjoy and enhance like what he's created. It's beautiful. Those of you that love friendships, God made us for relationship, and so that's a good thing. Those desires are not bad. But when those good things become God things, when those, when those things that were created become more important and more desired than the creator themselves, what we were made to wrap all those desires up into collapse on us. Our desire for money or jobs or employment or promotions or new houses or cars or spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends or friends or grades will never be able to support the weight of our life. When we, orient all of life around that center, we will always be left wanting. And he uses that incredible imagery of thorns that come up around and choke out the life of the plant because the cares are just too many. So I used to have a desire and I I was excited about the things of God, but the pursuit of my new career started to choke that out. And I thought I had more to gain my career than I would ever get from Jesus and so I gave all my life to my career or gave all my life to this relationship or gave all my life to the pursuit of this thing and it chokes out the life of the kingdom Uh, Jesus said it in another way when talking about money you can only serve uh, one master you can't serve two masters you will always love one and hate the other there will always be an order to our loves and he says in the kingdom love for me comes first wealth has the potential to choke out our desire for the gospel. Possessions begin to possess us and we walk away from kingdom life. Our senses become dull. A comfort has the potential to choke us out, right? These are when things are going well, but we grow accustomed to the comfort and then find ourselves in an unhealthy, arrested development spiritually where we always need to be comfortable to be okay. And life in this world is not always comfortable. And so we leave Jesus to pursue other things. Uh, Entertainment right, has the potential to fill our hearts and our minds with stories that begin to move from things we watch to things we actually desire and lives we want. The only problem is they're fictitious and made up for entertainment, but our hearts begin to want the things that we see. Advertising begins to draw us in, and so we walk away, whether knowingly or not, from the things that God has for us into things that we think will provide more quickly. And the beauty of this story, as Jesus told it, was simply you're left wondering the right question, which is what kind of soil am I? Like I'd invite you to even ask, like before we get to the fourth soil in those first three, if I would say my heart is being geared towards one of these stories in Jesus' story, and you're free and clear to say it's the first one and I don't buy any of this. So mine's that first soil. I don't want to let this stuff in my life. Uh, Maybe it's the second one where you're like, man, it has sunk down a little bit and I've received it with joy, but I can see that as I get tested, I kind of want to abandon this. Or maybe it's the third soil. The one that you are like, man, if I had to pick out, I see some real thorns or some real weeds popping through that are threatening to choke this out. Some desires that are competing for the love that God wants me to experience in him. And don't hear this as condemnation but here this is an invitation because what Jesus is saying is you don't have to be one of those first three types. And all of us have propensities toward them. But the fourth soil is the one that we're being invited into being, right? That receptive and enduring heart. Uh, That soil that hears the word, he says. He says he hears it. And then not only hears it, but retains it. So sticks with it rehearses it, is able to grab onto it and say, I'm not letting go and I'm gonna arrange my life so that I regularly remember this. And so I'm gonna have rhythms in my life that remind me of this good news. In community with other people, that's what I want to do so that I remember this and retain it. And then he said, and by persevering, produce a crop. As we look out, that's, that's the heart that he wants from us. Uh, imagine what happens as 20, 30 40 adults, just take this seriously. As kids who are in schools, take this seriously as they're with their friends and say, I actually wanna stand under God's story and I want my life to be shaped most by that. And I wanna extend what it invites me to extend to others. And all the things that we've been talking about for the last six weeks, I want to actually embody those. Like, I don't wanna just have it in my head, but I wanna be able to think through it. The first thing is to receive that good news of the kingdom. Say, yes, I want that. Like I, like I, I hear that. I've heard it taught that it's a kingdom of generosity, of justice, of provision, of healing, of restoration, of reconciliation, of us loving our neighbor even in the hardest times and loving our enemies. Like that's the kind of person I want to be. I believe that God was that for me, and I want to extend that to others. We receive it, but then catch this: we act like it's true. It's not enough to say, you can't say I understand it, but I don't shape my life by this. Uh, one of my favorite examples I've been given to Valerie as we met was talking about gravity. And I was like, yo, we all believe gravity. And this is, the, this is the way we're supposed to believe this story. We all believe gravity. How do I know we believe gravity? Nobody jumps off the roof of the building. Like if you did not believe gravity, you best believe you would find this high roof and you would go for it to soar, right? But gravity is something that we don't really mess with. Like nobody's like, Maybe not today. Gravity's true sometimes, but not today. I have a better way. I float and then go for it. We don't do that. Why? Because we truly understand that gravity wins. What if we believe the same resolute way that the kingdom of God is actually here and the life that we are being invited to live is an abundant life that starts now, that God will make a change in us and then work through us. And kids. Gravity is real. Don't go off the roof. I feel like we have to add that in there. Uh, The other pieces, just to add them on at the very end, these are around the text. Uh, To one, receive the word of the kingdom. To two, act like it's true, because it is. Three, in community. Uh, He starts off this text talking about the community of faith that was diverse, that was made of men and women, of people of all echelons. Like, we don't get it, but the The woman who was demon possessed did not usually mix it with the head of herod's household who did not usually mix it with a traveling rabbi but this community that he had around was all there because of grace and they would regularly rehearse and remember the good news that jesus is king and then they did it in full view of the world that was watching a god has always rescued people not just for the benefit of yourselves but for the sake of the world a Valerie, right? God has called her to himself, not just for her, but that she would be good news to others and sent with the spirit to be a loving presence in the life of others. And then lastly, there's, there's a piece to this that's rinse and repeat. This isn't just a one-time thing. But as he said, those that stick in it, that retain it, that grasp onto it, that don't just have today changed by it and tomorrow changed by it, but who build day upon day, week upon week, month upon month, year upon year, a beautiful crop comes out of that. And we want to live lives that are fruitful, that are to the benefit of our communities and others, that enjoy God together for the sake of the world. And that's the invitation of this, as we wrap up our Kingdom Come series, to enter into this way of life that Jesus described, to understand it, right, to to yield our life. In that story, by the way, our life is the Prius, God's story counts as the semi-truck that we yield to in the most loving way possible. So I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna be welcome to the table in just a second to remember all these things uh, through the gift of food. Uh, Jesus, we are so grateful. Uh, we're grateful that you love us, grateful that you chose us, grateful that you rescue us, grateful that you continue to speak to us and so confess even as a community that there is so many times uh, that we fail to remember the things you've spoken or live the lives that you've invited us to live. And so we ask that you would speak again, uh, words of hope, of freedom, of healing, of forgiveness to our hearts. God, if there's friends here who have never even heard this good news, that you would uh, speak to them, help it to, to linger in their hearts, questions to be asked. Is there a better life and could it really be found in Jesus? for those who have tried religion and be, been disappointed, I pray that you would show them that they might've tried religion, but they never tried you. And Jesus, for those that maybe have come and, and were doing the best to be that kind of good heart, good soil, I do ask that you would continue to churn up the pockets in our lives where we want to trust other things or we'd start to grow. A God, would we when men, women, and children who joyfully enter into our role in your story. And would we again and again make decisions that are in line with your kingdom and that we would pray with Jesus, not our will, but yours be done. Uh, we ask this in your name, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, amen.